You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. We're so excited to welcome one of our friends on today, Aaron Frost, who's going to be talking about Scully.io. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Lesh. Hi, Ben. Hi. <laughs> and Aaron, um, so lovingly referred to most people as Frosty. Did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm Frosty. I'm Tracy and Ben's friend, and um, we we code, and um, we like Angular. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say. I we I like ngconf. We do some work with ngconf. Yeah, we, you're one of the like, co-founders of ngconf, isn't that right? Yeah, accidentally I am. Yeah, <laughs> um, we uh, we do we work on Scully, my team. My, the, 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 I spend my day at Hero Devs and the team at Hero Devs, we, we work on Scully, which is kind of what we're here to talk about today. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, lots of passion around that. Yeah, we're super stoked and we love everything you're doing for the community and also love your new podcast. What is it called? It's the Angular Show. The Angular Show, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely check out Aaron's new podcast as well. Um, it's new this year and it's been awesome. Really great topics. It's the closest so wait, thing uh, I've ever done. One to thing I want to know, though, is are we sure this is the real Aaron Frost? Because I've seen him perform a, a trick before where, yeah. like, he was either super fast or he actually had a doppelganger. And I, I couldn't really figure out which, which it was. Yeah, you saw my prestige. <laughs> yeah, that's where I think the movie. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, man, that was so fun. Um, it was... It was funny, Ben, because not most people didn't notice that I appeared across the entire stage in like two seconds. Most people were just like, "Oh, he went back, and now he's back out the other side." But right, yeah, it was like, like it was like it was like 150 feet that you moved yeah. in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> a couple of people came up to me afterwards, and they're like, "Yo, dude, how are you moving across like so fast?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Are you like is this a fat joke?" Like I I, I kind of put it back on them. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like is this?" because i'm fat like you don't think i can move that fast or what are you like what are you asking me and so but no yeah um i have a twin ben met my twin so his name is joel so i also answered to joel that's awesome yeah. well you know uh angular has um i guess i guess with scully has you know had the adoption of the jamstack i know in the react community you know jamstack is the thing you know, it's yeah. so Jamstack, Jamstack, everything. So maybe you can explain to us a little bit about just like what is the Jamstack and how does Scully fit in? Yeah, so the Jamstack, I mean, I got to be honest, even when we started building, building Scully, I didn't even fully understand what it was, like what the Jamstack was. I, I, I knew what I was trying to build with Scully. I didn't understand what the Jamstack was. But, and I think a lot of people have heard of it-ish, but if you were like, hey, just tell, 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 tell your neighbor what it is, they'd be like, I can't. So... <laughs> It's basically taking what Angular and React and Vue do well, which is the client-side rendering, and you're pre-rendering each view in your app so that it's, it's already ready. As soon as someone comes to your website, like 
the ish is already pre-rendered. Like they don't have to download all of your Angular JavaScript or all of your React JavaScript. They just have to download a pre-rendered page. So that means instead of downloading 500K, they can, for, for like, that, that would be a sizable website. 500K gzip, that's like a big website, right? But instead of having to download 500K, they can download, um, you know, 13 kilobytes of HTML and CSS. And then they already see your page, they're scrolling, they're even clicking. And then after that pre-rendered version is downloaded, the JavaScript in the background downloads and the app turns on on top of the pre-rendered version. And if you're doing it right, the user won't even notice the switch between the pre-rendered and, and then the, the Angular version. Does that make sense, Tracy? Like, yeah, my, like how I, does it, I guess like how does it pre-render? Because if I just think about like going to a website, let's say I go to like Disney.com or something. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm opening up DevTools and I'm running like a performance test on it, right? Like, don't you have to download that pre-rendered thing anyways? Yeah. Okay. But the, pre, the pre-rendered thing is very small compared to the whole JavaScript bundle. Yeah. So the whole JavaScript bundle is like, you know, for a big site like Disney, you're yeah. at least half a meg. But the, just the HTML and the CSS to see it is probably, you know, yeah. 20K tops. Yeah. So you're talking about mm-hmm. somewhere around like a 20th of the size to still see the web page. So for mobile devices to say you can get the same view mm-hmm. in a 20th of the data, that means that I'm going to see your website way, way, way faster. So this, like make the, faster. this just makes like the site load faster. So the customer experience, it just makes it seem faster. Yeah. Your abandon rates drop. Exactly. Okay. So you just touched on like the, one of the quintessential points. It improves the perceived performance of your website. So you, Tracy, you and I both know developers, we write bad code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or some of us write good accidentally, like, but, but, but most of us write like bad code and it's slower than we want it to be. And, and the Jamstack makes it, makes the, the user's interaction, their perception of what's happening is better because they're getting a fully rendered page really quick. But then in the background, you're slow, whatever you actually built with code, that thing downloads and turns on. And then they're now using your website, but, but they didn't have to wait to get yeah. that pre-rendered site. Like they got it immediately. And so that was, that's the really cool thing about Jamstack is your abandon rates drop because yeah. people see something like almost immediately, even if they're on 3G, they're going to get something very quickly. So that's the, like the, cool. the weird, uh, the weird irony about this whole thing is what it's, what the Jamstack's attempting to do is actually give us back what was good about web development, like 20 to 15 years ago or so. so right. So Whenever. totally, so I mean, it used to be all server rendered and then you'd send it. <laughs> But what sucked about that is when you went between different views, like you had a whole refresh because I'd have to go back to the server, render everything and, and send it back. Yeah. And so like we slowly but surely moved everything to the client. Like there was a little bit with jQuery and then all of a sudden there was like Angular 1 and like things really started moving to the client. And then we went so far that direction, we had other problems. And now it's like, yeah. now it's like, well, can we somehow have the best of both worlds, right? So there's, there's two pieces. Like you, when I first started digesting, what is the Jamstack? I was right where you just said, Ben. I was like, wait, are you just taking me back circa 2008 and helping me develop that way? I'm like, that's weird that we're back here again. But then I realized there's two advantages to doing it with Jamstack versus going back to JSP. And here, let me, let me explain the two benefits. One is, and you already pointed it out, Ben, is once they get the first view, the next views don't have full page refreshes because at that point it does turn into an SPA, right? 
So you get that SPA interaction after the first page loads. Now you're just in the JavaScript app. So you got, you got a pre-rendered view that turned into a spa and all subsequent route changes are, are good like we're used to with, with single page apps, right? But the yeah, other difference- fact, it's just the initial page. Like it's just the initial thing that's going down. No, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm like not doing a good job of explaining it. There's three big pieces. I'm, I'm still like on the first one. Well, I'm trying to do the second one though. So um, the, f the first part is pre-rendering. The second part is how do you deliver it? So um, the difference between what Ben's talking about, like in 2008 when we were doing JSPs, is that JSP, the user still had to like, let's say, you know, on this big blue spaceship that we're on, I'm on one side and your server that serves your JSP, Ben, it's on the other side. So I have to make a trip around this big blue sphere to get your web page, and then I gotta sh you gotta ship it all the way back to me across the globe, right? And that that's not fast at all. It's not fast to just in time render it, and it's not fast to deliver it clear across the planet. But if you pre-render it at build time, and then you put it on a CDN, that whole communication of getting the page, it, it's gonna be local to where I'm at, and so I'm gonna get that pre-rendered page so much faster than anything in 2008 ever could have hoped to give it to me. And that is the real speed performance. And that, that little piece right there where you're getting a pre-rendered view off the CDN, that's the piece that makes the Jamstack more performant than anything any Angular developer could do on their own. Like I've met some really good Angular developers who cannot touch how fast their app could be if they, when they embrace the Jamstack. And so by serving these pre-rendered views off of the CDN, it just, the performance, the perceived performance skyrockets and there's nothing you can do as an angular developer to, to try and replace that actual enhancement so yeah yeah it's been really funny because when you were like oh 500k is like such a big site i mean i've been doing some you know web performance profiling these days and i'm like god why is like just the like main react bundle 300k like you know on yeah. some pretty big sites too right so yeah know, yeah that's i mean that's i i would actually really like to do like um, a profile profiling on like somebody's actually using the jam stack. So if you have any recommendations, cause I'd love to see what that looks like from a performance perspective and like how things load going forth, you know? That'd be really so cool. I have a GIF if uh, it won't translate well to a podcast, but uh -huh. I could share my screen and show the two of you a GIF that oh, we yeah. have that, that kind of shows one of our clients that is on this. Um, well, the, send it to us so we can put okay. it in the link. Otherwise, you know, cause our, our listeners will be like, what is yeah. So, so what we did was we deployed, we deployed out to production, the version of the app with, with Scully and without Scully. And then depending on the cookie, you either got the non Scully version or the Scully version. And they were doing like AB testing to see which users converted higher. And the Scully users were converting significantly higher, like to the tunes of millions of dollars per year. Cause they're a big client. They're not like, it's not like me who I'm just, I have a small website. Like these, this is a big client. 100 contacts is a big, is a big, big, uh, big website. And so, and you can see side by side though, like the Scully version of the website appears relatively instantly. And I turned it on, on, on a 3G connection. The, th the 3G version appears and then you wait about an extra six or seven seconds for the non-Scully version to download all the JavaScript and then it paint its view initially. And then they both on the Scully version, you can see it flip from the pre-rendered to the Scully version. You can see a little bit of a jank, like it's a little snap where it does finally render with Angular. And that happens at the exact same time 
on both, but the user on the Scully version saw something the entire loading time. And it was really, really, um, the, per the perceived performance of that website just shot through the roof and their conversion rates just took off. So I'll send that to you after the show though. Maybe you throw it in the show notes for some people to see. Yeah, for sure. I definitely will. Okay. Yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to accidentally make like a one meg app though too like like yeah. it's, it's i uh, do yeah yeah i mean it's the the paved road that uh that angular and react and ember and everybody else give gives you is like here you add things this way and you just like and people are like okay so they add a route and then they add a component and then they add a route and like two years later they have this app and they probably have never actually looked at like how big it was the bundle analyzer yeah. yeah, yeah, and like they're working on it locally, so they don't really notice. And next, next thing you know, they have this app that seriously is shipping like an entire megabyte of JavaScript out. And like they're like, oh, but it's fine on my phone. Well, yeah, because you loaded it last week like three times, and so a lot of it's already cached. But like the first load for someone that's in the middle of, you know, nowhere Nebraska is just they're going to be like what is what is why happening does this website now? take so long yeah next yeah so it's yeah. it's crazy I work in internal tools though now so it's like whatever different world yeah yeah I it could be 10 megs like performance was a but, thing Ben what's that I thought performance was a thing though for you well it is but the performance that I have to worry about for internal tooling is generally like um like CPU performance and render performance and those sorts of things. Like, you know, trying to make things not bogged down for like real time animations and whatever, or real time data visualizations. Hmm. Yeah. If you're on the internet, I suppose the bundle size matters a lot less, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, but there is one side, the one thing that you do get is you, you that is the same everywhere as you get all the JavaScript parse time. Right. So you have to oh, like, right wait for if you so if you had a, if you had 10 megs which is ridiculous i was being outlandish when i said that but if you had that like you're going to be waiting for a while for it to like you know parse and execute all the javascript yeah i mean i've seen some tweets from alex russell who i don't always agree with his tweets but he's he's apparently been doing kind of what tracy's talking about doing some analysis for companies and sounds like some of these bundles are insane so have you ever met alex yeah yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, what's funny is I think, uh, Twitter is one of those, like, it's like a platform that doesn't really do him justice. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a super nice guy. So nice. So and nice. A lot of, a lot of where he comes from, where he gets so upset about this is he has like a lot of compassion for people in developing worlds. And like, he gets really upset that like, you know, say there's like COVID information, right. That would be really great for people to have. And like, it's developed in such a way that it would never load in like rural India. And he gets like stuff like that, like literally will bring the dude to tears. Like he gets real upset about stuff like yeah. that. It's also so not when people are piling on him on Twitter about his, the way that he talks, I, I, I always keep that in mind, like where, where he's coming from. And I, I, uh, yeah. but it's not I mean, I get why they're upset, but I also says, get why he's upset and it's this weird. But he also says that it's, like not just third world countries it's also you know just like it's a class thing as well right i mean even people in the u.s who don't have fast internet yeah. don't have, have fast phones yeah. our mothers our daughters are whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. totally it's it's 100 a class thing and 
like an age, like the older people sometimes have old slower phones and like, like low amounts of data on their plans and whatever. Like it's, it's definitely You're a thing. You're an old person, Ben, so you must have a crappy phone. I do. I have a really, this thing, like it doesn't even, the speaker doesn't even work on this, this thing because it was <laughs> rained on in Taiwan. And like, that's how long ago, more than a year ago, this got rained on and the, the speaker phone doesn't work anymore in it. <laughs> and it doesn't ring. Well, so, but to your point, Ben, um, it is easy to accidentally build a gigantic JavaScript bundle, right? Like oh, yeah. you don't even, it's death by a thousand paper cuts is kind of what that, that symptom is called where, you know, you show up to work after a year or two and you've slowly sliced yourself up with all these different pull requests that brought in more and more and more, or, you know, you make the classic angular developer, like in RxJS um, five, where you import everything from Rx because you're, you don't know how to use the library. And so here's that, the that one import is you're dead now. So. Here's the interesting thing to me about Scully and Jamstack technologies though, is like, I always thought to myself, like, look, if I had, like, if I had to develop an app fast, I'd probably use like an angular or a react or something like that. But as soon as I started making money, because I view myself as a fairly skilled person. And if I hired a skilled team, I'd be like, all right, we're making something bespoke, like, you know, screw these frameworks. We're going to make something that's 100% the fastest, leanest thing that we can make. Yeah. Will it, will we be able to onboard people as quickly? No, but do we care? No, because this is what's making our money. This is where the money comes from. Let's make it fast and lean. Now the like Scully and Jamstack though, kind of flips that thinking on its head a little bit where it's like, okay, well, now I can make something that's, that has the benefit of being able to onboard people quickly and using these frameworks that are popular and whatever, but like I can still have something that spins up pretty darn quickly. Yeah. I still think the bespoke solution would probably spank it in a few ways, like as far as like some of the interactivity goes, but like, you know, the cost is there, like it's going to be more expensive to build something like that. Totally. Uh, and to so maintain like, it. To you maintain know, it's know where, where you're that gonna die. Is where it's like now I'm making so much money that like I should just make something totally custom. Like I would think that would be like you know obviously like Amazon or Facebook, if they're not like the fact that Facebook has a framework makes a little bit of sense because it's such a big app. But at the same time, I think you've got so much money. This could all be completely custom and as fast as can be. Like what do you care about a framework? Um, Oh my that's God. not to knock React. I love React, but like, <laughs> but like you know, I think that, and like, or like if I'm Amazon, like Amazon, I'd just be like, I'd be totally like, okay, so how lean and fast can we make this? We have so much money and so many developers, like why even care about frameworks or anything like that? Like this is all like so, milliseconds matter. Come, coming back to another Googler that, that um, I, I, w I witnessed an interesting conversation. Do you, do you know Paul Lewis? He doesn't work at Google anymore, but he was there for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Super nice gent. Yeah, Arrow Twist. Yep. He's a really so nice guy. He is. He, he wrote a blog post that was like, frameworks are for dumb people, basically. I'm paraphrasing, right? Um, but it wasn't a great blog post, in my opinion. But I worship the dude. So, like, the week after he wrote it, I was at Google and I met him, and I was in fanboy mode. And we're in the room, and Ward Bell's like, you know that blog post that you wrote? And I didn't really know who, I didn't really know who Ward was. And so this is my, this is my introduction to Ward. And he's like, yeah, that wasn't a very good blog post. And I was like, Oh snap. And then they started going at it. And I was like, wait, Paul's wrong. Why is Ward the right guy? And I just watched Ward go toe to toe. And he's like, and he made some really good points. Like most developers aren't as smart as you 
and they can't build a website like you could and they can't maintain it like you could. And, and now I'm in a bus scenario where you get by a bus and yeah. the website's dead. And so, um, even, even in the scenario you're talking about, not have to hire like all the rockstar developers. It's like, yeah, yeah. you need to have training wheels so that you can have yeah. teams of 500 plus people and it actually still be a maintainable code base. Well, just, uh, pragmatically, you need to either, you need to understand that there's, there's, you're going to spend cost one way or the other. You have to either spend cost in terms of like, this is harder to maintain. It's going to take more time and there's going to be m more mistakes or, uh, this is going to load slower and you know, we might lose business over it, but one way or the other, you're going to pay for it. And that's, yeah. but now here's where I, what I will say, if you are developing an internal app an internal only app that just serves over an intranet or whatever, or a local network, and you're not using a framework, you're an idiot. Like, I don't know what you're doing because like, <laughs> really, like, we agree there. Like that's, that's like the opposite of that blog post. Right. But like, seriously, like if like it gives you so much more agility and the ability to like build things really fast and like size doesn't really matter, uh, internal for internal like, apps. So yeah, bundle yeah, sizes like, are not, 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 not a thing. Yeah, it's well, speaking of which, um, I wanted to take a pause for one of our sponsors and then next time we do a podcast, we have to wear our matching shirts, but, oh. uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I'm wearing the shirt for my daughter. <laughs> this is an angular podcast, you know, an angular focus podcast, but we're actually going to talk about Kendo and Kendo react as well. So I know we have JavaScript listeners from everywhere and, you know, Kendo actually has some angular stuff as well. Um, but Kendo react is this professional UI and data viz component library. So we keep talking about frameworks and how to make our lives easier, et cetera, but they basically designed it and built it from the ground up specifically for all the things they do. So Kendo React specifically for React. And it has like 80 plus feature rich components. It has advanced functionality. And, you know, um, you know, just like we've mentioned before, you know, if you don't want to write your own components, check them out. And again, I believe, I know they have Angular, but I wonder if they have Vue as well. You know? I know they've got Angular, they've got React. I'm assuming they have Vue. Telerik uh, has been around. So before any of this, I was a .NET developer uh -huh. and Telerik made components for um, like Windows, uh, for like .NET and C Sharp like ages ago. And I, I used to use their stuff all the time. So is it Telerik or is it Progress? It's Progress, right? Or is it Telerik? Did they merge? Kendo UI is, is, I don't know, maybe they merged. But I, think progress, I think progress purchased Telerik and it's now Kendo's with Progress. Okay. Well, either way, they also They're have- Part of the Progress team. But Kendo's still the same awesome it's always been, to your guys' point, right? It's, just, it's still yeah. awesome, so. Yeah. Um, going back to exciting, uh, you know, Jamstack slash Scully stuff, though. Um, mm -hmm. One question is uh, Angular Universal, right? So, I mean, Angular Universal, we all know, is uh, server-side rendering for Angular. But is Angular Universal dead now? Are we moving from SSR to SSG? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a good question. I think, I think this is one of the questions that most people, when they see scully they're like that's the biggest puzzle is like how does this even fit with ssr <clears throat> so um with ssr um you would server-side render if you really have a ton of dynamic content that's specific to your user right so like let's say you're you're doing what ben's doing and you've got 
basically the entire view, including the menu, is custom to this user. So, so pre-rendering it with the Jamstack doesn't make a lot of sense because it's going to be different for every single user in the app. Um, but if you want it to be fast, you, you may still SSR it and, and generate it on the server with that user's cookie and like you, you get all their stuff in there. Um, but generally, most people don't have the entire page be distinct per user. Most of the app is going to be the same regardless of what user's there. And so um, Scully and Angular Universal still coexist. And there's some real cool cohesion. So like Scully, when it pre-renders your website, it doesn't use Angular Universal yet. But we're currently working on a feature to where you can pre-render with either Puppeteer or Universal. So if you wanted to speed up your build time, you could say, hey, Scully, pre-render this with Universal instead of Puppeteer. That comes with the overhead of Universal, which is a lot more difficult to build an app for because you know you, you make one mistake where you talk to the document and Universal is now dead, right? So it makes it makes some things very difficult, but it's much much faster. So they don't. It, it, it's not here to replace it. For most SSR scenarios, um, Scully is a cheaper runtime option than Universal could ever be. Um, but there are still some scenarios like if your whole app is behind a login and you you want SSR still then SSR makes a lot of sense for you still. So th there's a lot of scenarios where if you're like, hey, should I do Scully? I would say if you have an e-com site, you should do Scully all day, every day, like twice on Sunday. Like it's, it's, it's really, really valuable. But if you have a, an app that's entirely behind a login, it's, it's much less valuable. And SSR is a much more valuable tool for you at that point. Other than, I mean, and we could go deeper into the, to the, to the questions around, is it still valuable? But, um, but yeah. My, my understanding and like I've never messed with any of this stuff so I'm just like but my understanding is uh, that the server side rendering with like Angular Universal and other solutions like it can have weird edge cases where um, it actually ends up being slower due to the hydration process like like so you get something right away and you can see something right away but the actual time before you can interact with things can sometimes get bogged down depending on what you're doing um, so fact or not it's just what i had heard um through a few discussions so the main part i'll speak to about what you're saying is so scully and Yinger universal are going to be equally slow on that exact step that you're talking about um however i will correct that um angular does not support hydration right react has partial hydration support angular has zero hydration support so when when you get a pre-rendered view whether it's with angular universal or scully and it's fully pre-rendered meaning you know, you've got, you know, 15,000 HTML tags in there. It's a fully pre-rendered page. Once Angular downloads and sees your app root component, it's going to go, hello, it deletes everything inside your app root and repaints your app. So there's no hydration where it goes, oh, I'm going to keep this, so leave it there. I'm going to keep this, so leave that there. I'm going to keep this. Like where it goes down and like diffs the DOM and goes, oh, I actually need that one still, so I'll leave it. Angular doesn't have that support yet. There's a lot of people trying to get the Angular team to get that support, but they, they haven't prioritized that ticket. They know about it and they're- that all? Or is it like P2 or P10? No. <laughs> or like not even talking about it? No, they, they're talking about it. They know we either need to focus on um, the whole service workers thing or we need to focus on the hydration support. And like the Universal and Scully teams are like, dude, definitely you need to focus on hydration. 
because React has hydration, partial hydration support. It's really valuable. Angular needs to have partial hydration support. It's just a very difficult problem to solve is the thing. So like once you start dealing with, what's, um, with ng content, so it's not content projection. Yeah, it is content projection. Yeah, sorry, it's not transclusion. So once you start dealing with content projection and multi-slot multi content projection, it gets to be like a really hard problem to do. And so, um, so that's why it doesn't exist yet. But I would love if they did have hydration one day, Ben. Um, so. Yeah, there's a, that, that particular problem in the Angular world. Like I worked on Ivy's content projection stuff, you know, a year ago or so. And that, that particular set of like the weird corner cases that can happen in there is tough, not just because of the actual content projection itself, but because of the implication it has on things like, um, what, are, what, are, what are they, what are they called again? Like the, like the child queries and stuff that you can have to see, yep. like, to be like, oh, I want to get a hold of these components that are underneath me. Like all of that stuff has to be passed through the projections and everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that would be what would be involved with trying to get the uh, the content projection working is once everything's up and hydrated, you'd have to go through and find the actual DOM nodes that that belong to everything. So that's that would be a challenge by itself. And then take those and like populate. There's internal uh, there's an internal tree structure of like L views and T views that are used to create or to manage or track what state belongs to what component. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's L views. You'd have to go through and make sure all those had the right data in there. And that's that code that's in there is not easy to work on and not easy to explain to other people either. So yeah. like, I think they're going to have a hard time on the, with the Angular team getting contribution in those areas. Not yep. that it's, I mean, it's open source and I'm sure that if someone had a solid contribution there, like I'm totally positive that they would, that they would take it. Um, it's just one of those things where like, you know, it's maybe working on it. Like even I've seen really smart people struggle with, <laughs> with what's going on in there. So even if tough. you had hydration, that was like ng content, I don't do that one, but I'll do everything else. Even that would be better than like no hydration. Right. So right. That, Gotta send it a PR, Aaron. I know, but I—I I mean, I, I honestly, everything Ben just talked about, I've seen the code. It's—it's it's over my head, and so I would have to stare at it for months to begin to let it sink in. So it would be very difficult for me to submit that PR. Yeah. Well, so um, is so if this is maintained by Hero Devs, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's currently the main core team all, are, are all at Hero Devs. We have some other contributors in the community, but yeah, mostly Hero Devs are the people contributing to it. Cool, awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it, like, what is the traction you guys have received so far? Yeah, so we, we kind of did like alpha in January. Um, we did pre-alpha in December. So we did alpha in January. At ngconf, we started talking about it more. And... We started getting a bit more downloads per week. And I feel weird talking about these downloads per week with Ben Lesh sitting here. But like we got to like a thousand, maybe even like 1,300 weekly downloads over the summer. And it kind of like stagnated through the summer. And then August hit and like kids went back to school and it just took right back off again. So we're at we're we're at like well, 3,500 downloads per week. Nice. Um, and so ben it gets, remember those days. Ben remembers when it was like, oh, 10 people have downloaded, right, Ben? Yeah. Of RxJS. Yeah. 
I was, I, I remember actually looking at the MTM downloads and like doing the math in my head of like, okay, so I did like five installs this week. I bet that Jeff sitting behind me did a few, like did a few. doing the math and be like, oh my God, someone I don't know downloaded this. This is crazy. <laughs> but now the two, you, you get like, I mean, millions of downloads a week. Like it's one of the biggest things I've ever seen downloaded is RxJS. So yeah, I'm just, I'm humbled by it. But my 3,500 downloads, I'm keeping them and I'm proud of them, man. That's amazing. Cool. Well, it was so um, much fun talking to you, Aaron. Um, you were going to say something. Do you want to? <laughs> no, I just, I was just going to say that. So we're growing a lot on, on likes on GitHub and yeah. there's like, there's like a 1.0. We're currently in like a 1.0 beta five. So yeah. 1.0 is coming very soon too. So just as far as like the progress and traction is going, um, we're really close to that. So, so is this anything where you're looking at trying to make it compatible with other frameworks or, or is it so, solely targeted at Angular at the moment? So it currently will pre-render Angular and AngularJS and it will pre-render hybrid Angular and AngularJS. And we have a sample where it pre-renders React. React is a, is a bit more difficult because the React router, you declare routes through markup. And that's a bit more difficult to statically analyze and know what all the possible route combinations are. So, but you, we've made it where you can assist it for React projects. And so it can, it can if you squint at it, like in, in tilt your head, you can, you can get it to pre-render React as well. We haven't looked at Vue yet, so. <laughs> that's funny. Just squint so, real hard. It could yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. No, we've got it to work, but you do have to pay more attention than you're probably going to want to pay. But like, if you want to go Jamstack and React, you either have to go all in on Vercel or Gatsby, or you like, and you have to like re-architect your entire app. Like it, a React app is not a Gatsby app. Like a Gatsby app is a Gatsby app. It's a very specific React app. Mm -hmm. Scully would allow a React app to just be a, a React app. Like oh, a that's vanilla. good, that's great. That's and then you could just pre-render it with Scully. So Scully has a very real future for React developers where it's much less buy-in than a Gatsby or a Vercel. Is this or, the I mean, same thing with Angular though, where it's like, you don't have to make your in you don't you don't have to like re-architect your entire app. Yeah, yeah, it's and that's the cool thing about it versus Universal is, Universal it's an all buy-in thing. Everyone on the team has to know about it and everyone has to get ready for it. But with Scully, it's just like it just kind of wraps it, and you're just building Angular apps or you know you're using jQuery plugins or you know whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't really care, and it just will pre-render it, ship it down, and then you're good. So. It's a very valuable tool. Like the amount of buy-in required to get the benefit is so incredibly low. Yeah. So incredibly low. Cool. Well, uh, everybody should check out, is it scully.io, I believe? Yeah, go to scully.io. We have docs there. We have links to like our Gitter channel so you can get on and ask us questions or the entire community is there. If you have questions, they can kind of walk you through the first few steps. And then we have weekly office hours. Yeah, yeah so you can join us on Twitter and we do weekly office hours where you can bring your project and we'll solve your problems as the core team for you. So we're trying to, we're trying to be accessible and like help anyone who needs the help. So, yeah. That's amazing. I'll have to join one of those and just be like, yo, help. Yeah, just be a fly on the wall. <laughs> help me out. Yeah, it'd be cool. Well, thank you again, Aaron, for uh, visiting us on Modern Web. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at Aaron Frost, double A-R-O-N Frost. So if you have any oh, questions, just reach out to me on Twitter. Making it easy. Cool. Thank you again for joining us. And um, as always, you can find me on Ben, me, me on Ben, 
Yes. Yeah. Me and Ben on Twitter. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I do get on Ben about his brisket and, you know, the fact that he just didn't do salt and pepper like he was supposed to and made a rub last it was night. great. It was great. It's teasing. It, it looks it good. It looked really good. Um, but anyways, uh, if you have ideas about like different podcasts that you want us to do, feel free to message us and let us know. And again, thank you so much. Uh, Kendo team slash not Telerik slash progress uh, for sponsoring us. And, um, you know, special thanks again for the Kendo React library. Definitely check it out. I mean, it's fun. And again, they have really cute swag. So maybe if you're like nice and tweet about it on Twitter, somebody will send you a shirt. Highly recommend. <laughs> my, my kids really like their shirts, actually. Yeah, for sure. They've got the little Kendo guy. Yeah, the little ninja dude. Oh no, he's not a ninja. He's like a what are they called? The the lancers. So he's like a kendo. He's he got a kendo stick. He's like a little um. Oh, what are they? I don't remember what. Nunchucks. He's a he's a checker. No, no, he like you know you wear the mask and then you have the sword thing, the poker. Yeah, thing. Yeah, that's called oh. kendo. Like you you literally have that. It's oh. a kendo stick, and you fight with the kendo sticks. And there's like a string in the one side of it oh. where if you it's like made out of bamboo. Oh my god, is it called a kendo? And if you hit with the string, it counts as like a point and otherwise, but you wear all the armor and stuff so you don't like get a black eye from getting whacked with a bamboo stick. And it's called oh, Kendo. Wow. Like that's yeah, I've done this before. It's 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 pretty cool. But yeah. I did not make the distinction. I was like, Kendo sounds like a cool name, but not like, oh, <laughs> that thing that they're doing on the mascot is doing is kendo. kendo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Life. All right, we will see you next time on the Modern Web Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.